Welcome to the Pet Project Podcast with Sarah, the creator of PetProjectBlog.com. This is your weekly dose of news, views, and activities to help you strengthen the human-animal bond. On today's podcast, Sarah discusses ways you can save money on the necessities and the luxuries for your pet. But first, let's hear a recap of the posts from last week on Pet Project. I was looking at hazards around Easter time for pets and actually learned something new, which is that every part of the Easter lily is toxic to cats and that they can even be poisoned if they brush up against the pollen and get it on the fur and then clean it off. So really need to be careful if you have Easter lilies in your home this time of year that you keep them well away from your cat. And I kind of think given how dangerous they are, I wouldn't have them if I had cats. So there's a post on keeping your pets safe around Easter time. And there was some happy news out of Japan where there's not been a whole lot of happy news. And it's about the tsunami dog that was found a while back floating in a bunch of wreckage. They think she'd been out there for three weeks. Well, her owner saw the same footage on TV and was reunited with her. So that was uh, pretty sweet to see. She definitely was very happy to see her person. And then the Friday Fun was a really sweet video of two dogs, Tasha and Lucky, who clearly are best friends. Um, before I had a dog, I didn't really believe that dogs had best friends, but uh, definitely believe it now. And these two are pretty, pretty sweet with each other. Tell me a little bit about how you decide what articles to put in uh, mm. the blog each week and what you do to research them. I have a really hard time picking what I'm going to write about because so many things are interesting and there's so many important things. I picked the Easter safety one because I figure if I learn something new from it, a lot of other people will learn something new. And I'm really careful about the sources that I use. This one came off of the Oregon Veterinary Association website, which is a really good website. They write for both professionals and people who have pets, but they don't dumb things down for the people who have pets. But it's also not so esoteric that you can't understand what they're talking about. They're one of my favorite websites. They're very up-to-date and um, really good about posting recalls and things like that. So I'm very careful about the sources that I use. I tend to double, triple, quadruple check things because one of the things that I have learned is that mistakes get reprinted over and over and over again and perpetuated. And it can lead to completely inaccurate interpretations of studies of events and things like that. And that just drives me crazy. So I tend to be really careful about that sort of thing. Can you think of an example of something that's been repeated a bunch of times? That's just absolutely not true. Um, Let's squash it right here. Yeah. Well, I don't have a specific one, but I do know that there have been um, reports on certain studies where they are repeating the wrong number, like to the 10th degree which is huge if you're talking about the difference between 100 and 1,000 or something like that. And another one that um, particularly irritated me, and I think I found one place where this had been reported accurately, and that was a while ago, the African gray parrot 
I want to say Alex. Alex. Yeah, yeah, Alex. I remember this. Yeah. It was being reported everywhere that his last words to the woman who had been studying him for so long was something like, I love you and I'll see you tomorrow. Except that's not what he said. That's what she said to him. And it made a really great story that Alex had said that to her, but it wasn't true. I don't mean to be a killjoy, but, you know, the truth is the truth. And um, he didn't say that. She said it to him, which I think actually is also sweet. You know, he had somebody saying something nice to him. Absolutely. Yeah. So those sorts of things I'm really careful about. And as people who know me will attest, I have way too many tabs open on my computer at all times to where my computer is bogged down and doesn't function the way it's supposed to. Um, 130 tabs is not my all-time high. I am trying really hard to keep them down, but because I like to research, um, yeah, it's and you've still rejected... about 70. <laughs> and you've rejected bookmarks. Yes, because I, I would then have, well, I do use bookmarks, but if I bookmarked everything, I would, I would need a second computer for my bookmarks, you know, and I'd need an assistant to go through the bookmarks for me. And I don't have either of those things. So... Yeah. I think you said it. If anyone out there wants to be Sarah's pet project <laughs> assistant, send oh an God. email to uh, petprojectblog.com. Yes, please. I would, I'd love to have an assistant. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. You're welcome. So earlier you mentioned that your mixed breed dog, Saffron, broke her tooth earlier last week. Tell me about that. Well, she had broken one a while back, and we were trying to be careful with her teeth to make sure that she kept her teeth, and we were brushing them, and I had gotten a tool to do some descaling of one of her teeth and noticed that this back top molar either had a whole lot of plaque on it or was broken. And it turned out it was broken. So we made an appointment to take her to the doggy dentist that we had taken to her to before. And sure enough, she had a very badly broken molar. Do you have any idea how it happened? Not sure, because after the first tooth broke, we got really, really careful about what she was allowed to chew on and what was around for her to chew on. So she only got skinny little pieces of rawhide that there was just no way that she could break a tooth on it. And we took away um, the antler that she had to chew on. So she no longer had anything hard to chew on. And we're really careful in the backyard to keep branches and things, sticks and stuff away from her. However, we live where there are a lot of crows and ravens. And they will very often drop things into people's backyards, either intentionally or unintentionally. So it's possible that a bird or something dropped maybe a rib bone or something like that in our backyard, and she got a hold of that and broke this tooth. So it can be really difficult to prevent your dog from breaking its tooth, basically. Very difficult. And dogs have a really strong drive to chew, and they're dogs that will um, they'll chew on rocks. They'll eat rocks. Um, so it, that's one reason why it's really important to provide something that's acceptable for your dog to chew, 
If you don't want them chewing on all of these inappropriate things, you really have to focus them on something else. So you can't really expect your dog not to chew on anything if you don't give them something appropriate to chew on. Even with that, though, if it's something as scrumptious as a nasty old bone that a crow drops in your yard, they're going to chew on it. Mm-hmm. They're opportunists. So, And just for me, how yeah. often should you be brushing your dog's teeth? You really should be brushing them every day. Um, it has a lot, just like our oral health care um, impacts our heart and other aspects of our uh, general health, the same is true with dogs and cats. And it's something that you need to start young. You're better off starting it young anyway because they'll they'll accept it more easily, just like with the Bailey chair. You know, you start slowly, build up. And so when we first started brushing Saffron's teeth, Eric would be there with Velveeta cheese chunks. And I'd brush, 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 and he'd give her cheese. And I'd brush, 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 and he'd give her cheese. And so we weren't necessarily doing a whole lot of cleaning of her teeth, but we were making it a lot easier down the line to clean her teeth. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Not a lot of people I think do it. It's, it can seem like a hassle, but when you have to pay for a tooth cleaning or a tooth extraction, then you're going to be kicking yourself that you weren't brushing their teeth all along. And what about the products out there that claim to clean dogs' teeth, the the doggy treats and so forth? Do those really work or, or I'm not? really skeptical yeah. of that. That said, there are treats that are treated with chlorhexidine, which is, um, I think, like an antimicrobial sort of substance. And also there are enzymes that will work on eating the plaque. Also, don't just use any toothpaste. You really need to use a toothpaste that's acceptable for cats or dogs, depending on whose teeth you're brushing. There are flavored ones that make them more palatable to your pets. Also, how how often should you brush your cat's teeth? Same as with a dog. Um, t- to be honest, we don't brush our cat's teeth. It's I just have not found a technique that works for us. Their mouths are so freaking small that it's really hard to brush their teeth. So we're, we haven't been brushing theirs. Mm-hmm. And okay. we should. Now, getting back to the broken tooth. You yep. discover saffron has a broken tooth. Is it a molar or is it a front tooth? And it's what... a molar. Okay, it's a molar. And yeah. what happens next? We're, we have an appointment to take her back to the vet. And uh, this is an, they're going to do an extraction and I think it's like a triple root canal because there are three roots going up into her jaw. If it had been another tooth, we would have taken her to a regular vet because it would be a more simple operation. It would also be cheaper to take her to our regular vet. But because this is so deep in the bone and it's three roots and it's just such a big tooth, we decided that we would take her to the doggy dentist. But we also wanted to control the cost if there was any way that we could. And I'm not used to asking people that sort of a question, if there's any way that we can bring the cost down on something. But with the economy the way it is, we really need to save money wherever we can. We're also looking at surgery for Saffron's hip. And we had planned for that. We hadn't planned for the broken tooth. So this was a surprise expense. So I asked the vet if there was any way that we could bring the price down on the surgery, 
And he had to think for a minute because I don't think he's used to people asking that question. And he actually had some suggestions that were doable for us. So we weren't going to skimp on anything that was necessary. And I consider pain medication necessary. So there was no question about not giving her pain medication or not giving her as much as would normally be given to a dog. However, it came out that the antibiotics that they prescribe are for people and are incredibly expensive because they're really broad spectrum. But there are no signs of infection in saffron and she's healthy. And given that, he wouldn't have necessarily prescribed antibiotics in the first place. So we're compromising by giving her a far less expensive antibiotic because we weren't comfortable with not giving her any, but we didn't really feel the need to give her, you know, gold-plated human antibiotics. And the other option that we had was that um, they will perform an EKG before the surgery, but she actually had had an EKG before the first surgery. And and EKG is heart monitoring, right? Right, right. So she got a clean bill of health in terms of that for the first tooth, and that wasn't that long ago. And it's not like they aren't going to be monitoring her heart anyway during the surgery. So that was another place that we were able to save some money. And I think that we, just doing those two things, saved, I think, between 100 and $200, which makes a huge difference. How, do, how much did the procedure end up costing? The visit to the vet alone was $89, which was a little steep. And the uh, surgery itself is going to be about a thousand. Now you mentioned that you you didn't feel the vet often got asked mm-hmm. uh, for cost reducing right um, techniques. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Why do why do pet owners not ask the vet? What are our different options to keep the cost down? Well, I think it's the same reason that we generally don't ask our own doctors if there are ways to save money. We have been brought up to believe that the answer that they give us is the final answer. And I think that a lot of people feel it's disrespectful to ask a professional, you know, is that really necessary? But I don't think that it is. And I think with this, with the economy and with so many people really needing to watch what they're spending, that it's a question that most vets will understand. Do you think people feel that if they skimp, so to speak, and something goes wrong, that'll be their fault? Right. And that's where I think you really need to work with your vet. You know, we talked to him at some length about what risks we might be taking, what risks we weren't willing to take at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really something that you need to spend a little time discussing and go in informed. I don't think that you should skimp in any way that you might harm your animal's health. So what was Saffron's anxiety level going into the vet? I knew that it was going to be pretty high because she was frightened the first time we took her for um, just the first visit for the broken tooth. And then when we picked her up after the surgery, she was uncontrollably terrified in the waiting room while I was waiting to pay for her bill. Never have seen her so scared where just noises were erupting out of her, just pure terror and I think pain also. And it was heartbreaking and horrible to watch. I couldn't make it better. 
So I knew that going back to that place was not going to be easy for her. So I took steps before we went and the vet was actually pretty surprised at how frightened she was. And he wasn't familiar with some of the steps that I had taken to try to alleviate her fear or to at least control it. So um, I think that I will be talking about that next week because I was surprised that, you know, as a professional, he wasn't aware of these techniques. So I'll be talking about that next week. All right. So staying on the theme of saving money in a bad economy, right? tell me about some other uh, cost-reducing measures that you would recommend people take for their beds. Well, we have a diabetic cat, Sage, and it quickly became clear that unless we were going to basically need to take out a loan for her, uh, we needed to do some of the healthcare stuff ourselves. And I'm not even talking about the insulin shots twice a day. One of the things that they do to uh, monitor diabetes is they do a blood curve, glucose curve, during a day, full day, about every hour, I think. And when they do it at the vet, it's really expensive. You have to pay for each time they do the test. You're also usually paying a boarding fee because the animal is there for such a long period of time. And it's really expensive. So pretty early on, we got a glucose meter just from the pharmacy that you use for people and started doing the curves ourselves. And we easily made back the cost of the meter the first time we did a curve. That was the cost of a meter was less than a curve at the vet. So definitely the way to go if you have some kind of chronic illness with an animal, look for ways that you can take on some of the testing and care yourself. Also, small things about like where you buy the things that you need. We get our syringes from Costco. They're a lot less expensive than they are, you know, a pharmacy. Shop around for the insulin. $20 may not seem like that much when you're spending 100 bucks anyway, but when you add it up for a li- the rest of the life of your cat, you know, that adds up. And I even um, tear the cotton balls in half because you only need a little bit to wipe the alcohol on the top of the vial. So I sit in front of the TV and pull a bag of cotton balls in half so that we get twice as much out of one bag of cotton balls. If you don't have a Costco or a Sam's Club near you, I imagine that there are online wholesalers that you can get a bunch from. I would be careful about where you're getting the insulin from. Just know that it's a reputable online pharmacy so that you're not getting something that's out of date or anything like that. You know, just, Does it have to be refrigerated? Um, it lengthens the life of it. I don't know that people necessarily refrigerate their insulin, but people use up their insulin faster than uh, you do on a cat. Okay. So yeah, we refrigerate ours. All right. What else? Some real life examples of how we save money. We buy as large a bag of cat or dog food as we can without it spoiling before we're done with the bag. Just like with most things, if you buy in bulk, you get a better deal for it. We make our own litter boxes Instead of spending a bazillion dollars for a big piece of plastic that doesn't work the way I want it to, um, I make my own litter boxes, and there's a DIY post that I'll put a link to that you can check out. It's surprising how happy a functioning litter box makes people. I get 
big thanks from people who have made their own litter boxes and are so much happier with them. It's kind of weird. We get as much as we can from Costco. So we get our litter, cat litter there. Seasonally, they sell uh, flea and tick treatments at a good price. So I keep an eye out for those and generally try to buy um, from them whenever they're available. Do you like the collars or do you go for different things? Flea and tick? Yeah. No, the the collars, I, as far as I know, are really not effective. Cases of animals losing the hair around their neck in reaction to these things. So a far safer alternative are the spot treatments like Frontline and Advantage. If you use it according to direction and if you use the right dosage for the weight of your animal, and that's really important. They found that in the instances where people um, had problems, their pets had some kind of a reaction or something to the spot treatments, it was often the case that they were misapplied. They didn't put it in one place. They put it all down the back of the animal. Or they used a dose that was... um, clearly too high or on the high end. So they have a weight range. And if your dog or cat falls kind of in the middle of between two different doses, always go with a lower dose. Don't go with a higher dose. Your animal will be a lot safer. So um, if you follow those guidelines, they are really supposed to be very safe. So another big money-saving uh, thing that I do that's connected to like a, a big box store like Costco or Sam's is I buy our poop bags <laughs> by the case from them. And they're not the kinds of bags that you see on the little tiny rolls at the pet store. These are t-shirt bags. That's what they're called. And they're basically just like your plain uh, plastic grocery bag. They come flat, and there's no air in them, so they're really easy to roll up into a very small roll and way, way, way cheaper than buying those little poop bags. They aren't biodegradable, but there again, I have noticed that Costco has started selling biodegradable bags for composting kitchen waste, which you could use the same bag for picking up dog poo. Um, And I would imagine that buying a big box of those from Costco is going to be cheaper than buying a small box of biodegradable bags from a pet store. So that's another place where you can save a lot of money. How about something like saving money in grooming? Well, obviously, if you bathe your pets, especially your dog, yourself, you're going to be saving a lot of money. Buying shampoo in bulk. We buy our pet shampoo in bulk. It's a huge difference buying a gallon of that versus buying like a pint And I do it online. I haven't ever seen a gallon of the shampoo. We use Buddy Wash, which I think actually I did a post on. Really like that product. It's very mild. It smells good. A little goes a long way. We trim all of our animals' claws ourselves instead of taking them to the vet or to a groomer. That's another thing where you're better off if you start conditioning them at a young age to tolerate it. But I think if you go slowly with any animal... If you go at their pace, you can condition them at any age. It's just you'll be have such an easier time if they're kittens and puppies and you're doing it. Is there anything else you do to save money? Pricing dog biscuits. That was another thing that became pretty clear that they're incredibly expensive for the amount that you get. So I make our own. You can get books from the library that have recipes, vet-approved recipes for dog biscuits. So I make a huge batch at a time and 
put them in Ziploc bags and stick them in the freezer. So we have months worth. And I've also made uh, chicken jerky, which I'm not sure that given the amount of time and labor involved in that, that it's really worth it. The problem is, is that it's really hard to find chicken jerky in the stores that isn't from China. And I just absolutely won't buy pet food or pet products, edible pet products that were made in China. So um, if you want to have chicken for your dog and you don't want it from China, you pretty much have to make it yourself. And next on my list is uh, making salmon jerky for the cats because uh, you can spend a ton of money on a tiny little tub or a little envelope of salmon jerky. And it dawned on me that here we are in the Northwest I can get salmon at a pretty decent price. I should be drying this myself. So that's the next thing that I'm going to be doing to save money. All right. So it's clear that Costco is a great place to get stuff for cheap. Right. Uh, how about thrift stores? Yep. They're surprisingly good, especially if you're a little inventive in what um, you look for and how you repurpose things. I have bought yards and yards of fleece, brand new fleece for pet blankets, for pet beds, and for toys. And it's incredibly cheap to buy it there. I mean, it's just, it's dirt cheap. And if you go a few times, you know, if you go like every month or something, you can actually even be picky about the colors that you want because eventually something comes in that's in the color family that you want. Um, If you're not picky, then it's no problem. Another thing that I've done is I've bought sweaters there for, I think I've the most I've paid may have been $3. Dog for a sweaters. Sweater. No, people sweaters that I turned into cat beds, which there's a tutorial for that on the website, and okay. I'll put a link for that. Great. If you have a rag bag or if you just have saved the stuffing from an old pillow or something like that, you can just reuse that for the filling for the bed, and that's what I did. It makes a bolster bed that our cats actually fight over who gets to sleep in them, and I have to make some more so that they're not fighting about it. The other thing that I picked up super cheap were stainless steel bowls for food and water bowls. Unlike plastic, they're not going to pick up any you know smells or mold or anything like that. You can get them absolutely pristine and you know for dirt cheap. And then the other thing that I was uh, you know, it finally dawned on me. We only had so many towels that were in bad enough shape that they would make good dog towels. All the rest of them were good people towels. But I didn't want to go out and buy brand new cheap towels for the dog. And it dawned on me one day, well, let's go to the thrift store. And I picked up bath sheet sized towels and probably spent two bucks at the most on a towel. And then you can cut them up if you want to. Yeah, you, you can, can cut make them, them any size you yep. want. They actually make really good filling for beds, for the bottom of a bed. They're really cushiony. And if you do a few layers, you've got a really nice cushion for the cat bed. Any favorite thrift stores? <laughs> Goodwill, Value Village, um, uh, Salvation Army. I guess I'll say Value Village is my favorite. We have a really great one in our neighborhood. And I would say that any thrift store that gets regular donations and has a lot of people shopping at it is going to be the best thrift store. Now, can you also find stuff at thrift stores for 
uh, pets other than cats and dogs, your fish, your lizards, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing the deals that you can get on things for all sorts of pets. And it's also interesting to hear people talk about what they're going to be using for their pets. I was standing in the aisle at my favorite thrift store looking at flower vases, and there was a couple there, a young couple, and they were really inspecting the flower vases and debating the merits of different vases. And that's not really what you usually see in the flower vase aisle. Usually it's little old ladies picking up a vase, not this young, hip couple discussing and debating vases. And it turned out they were looking for a really neat container for their betta fish that they got. And they wanted something that would look neat in their house. So this betta fish was going to be decked out with this awesome, uh, I think they ended up with a cut glass goblet. You know, really cool, really unusual, and really cheap. You know, much better quality than some thin glass thing, really sturdy and, and fun. So... I thought that was great. Never would have thought of it myself. Um, More obvious things that I've seen there are cat and dog crates. Those are a pretty expensive item to be buying new. But at a thrift store, you can pick one up. As long as you check the condition of it, there's no reason not to get it. Easily half the price, probably way less than that. I've also seen tons of components for the habit trails for hamsters. So that's another, you know, good thing to find there. Fun. You know, I always, that's what I wanted a hamster for was basically to build a habit trail for it. I was less interested (laughs) in the animal than I was in the, all the cool tubes and stuff. Right. So oh, they're going to love this. I know. Appreciate it. And then they just (laughs) huddle in in the the corner. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. So maybe all of these components are from people who have a hamster who just didn't give a crap. (laughs) I've seen aquariums, you know, nice glass aquariums. So you could find stuff for fish, for lizards, that sort of thing. I've seen bird cages, like functioning bird cages, not like decorative bird cages, but nice uh, functional bird cages. And uh, I've also seen people buying actual blankets for their dogs and that sort of thing. So you can really save a lot of money, um, checking out your thrift store first. Okay, so there are actually quite a few things you can do to save money for your pet in in a down economy. There really are, especially if you are a little more creative about it. Mm -hmm. What do you think is sort of the most ingenious um, money-saving tip for for pet care? Making your own litter box. Yeah. It's not glamorous, but it, it makes such a huge difference to have something that works well and works well in your household i mean i guess actually you'd want a toilet that works well that would make a big difference and it's basically a toilet for your cats so as unglamorous as it is i would have to say making your own litter box out of a rubbermaid container (laughs) that's supposed to haven't checked out yet i'm gonna go check that out yeah it's it really is funny just how grateful people can be (laughs) to have a litter box that works right Next week, Sarah discusses ways you can manage your pet's fear surrounding their next visit to the vet. If you'd like to learn more about the site, visit us on the web at petprojectblog.com. And to be sure that you get the podcast every Tuesday, go to iTunes and subscribe. 
Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week with another installment of the Pet Project Podcast.